1: It's like a healing bone, you know, like you have to set the bone and then you have to wait and there's a, a time where it's not strong yet and you can't, you just have to kind of go through that like waiting period. Mm-hmm. Things take time and sometimes we don't have answers and you, you're you grasping. And so there's definitely moments that I've had of that.
0: This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 288 with guest Danny J.
2: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host,
0: the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I'm so glad that you're here. It's funny. I am looking at my brand new super fancy microphone although I am speaking to you through my old microphone because I don't know about the rest of y'all raise your hand if you're the type of person who cannot stand reading instruction manuals I don't even like I've I've said this on the podcast before I don't even like watching YouTube tutorials it has to be worst case scenario I am desperate and can't figure something out for me to go and try to figure it out on my own. I just, I don't have the patience for it. And I think I'm also very spoiled because I have a team over here that does those types of things for me. Anything on the back end, anything that has to do with admin or logistics, the amazing Emily and or Darlene will figure that out for me. And, but when I'm here with my microphone and it's my desk in my office, I have to figure it out. So I get it all set up. Well, no, that's a lie. I get it like 25% set up. And then I come in my office and my husband and my son are finishing setting it up. And I'm like, amazing. Thank you so much. You know me so well. And I plug it in the other day to try to record a podcast episode and it's not picking it up. (laughs) The light's on, but the software was like, we don't, we can't find this microphone. So I was like, that means I'm going to have to, I actually will pay my son, my 11-year-old son, to just read it and figure it out for me, and I'll pay you money to just either fix it or tell me how to fix it because I don't have the patience for that kind of stuff. But very soon, you will be listening to this podcast. The audio will be more clear and crisp, and it's all very exciting over here. Given that we've almost had 300 episodes, I felt like it was time to upgrade the microphone. In other news, it's officially summer. Well, unless you're in Australia or on the other side of the world, then it's not, then it's winter. But it's summer over here in these parts, and I know it can, for some people, be a great time and also throw a wrench a little bit in your normal schedule. Hopefully, those of you that are teachers are getting a nice break right now. And what we're experiencing is it becomes a little more hectic over here. You know, my kids are out of school. I do work from home. And every year, y'all, every year... Since I started your kick ass life back in I started it in September of 2010. So since summer twenty eleven, I have said, I have declared in the springtime that I'm taking the summer off. I think I actually experienced one summer with my kids home from you know daycare, preschool, that type of stuff. And I was like, I can't do this. I need to take the summers off. I want to take the summers off, is what I wanted to do. And every year, I have failed. <laughs> I've just worked in the summer. Oh, and it and I'm like, okay, what am I? What am I doing wrong here? So finally, what is it? Eight years later, I have decided. Okay, what if I just take July off? I can do July. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I have cleared my schedule the only thing that I'm taking are my private one-on-one clients whom I love and don't ever want to take a break from. So that's pretty much it. Just team meetings and one-on-one clients. And that's all I'm doing. So stay tuned. You're also going to hear a couple of archived podcast episodes, some of my favorites. So we'll see. I'm curious what your declarations are. Do you have any lofty goals like that that have proved to be difficult and you kind of had to find another way. I guess for me, that was just checking my expectations and trying to do something that was a little bit more doable instead of a huge lofty goal that was making me kind of feel shitty towards the end of it. What we do have coming up in July that I'm excited about is a two-part coaching session podcast episode. I know a lot of you caught episode 286 with Rachel and we got such great feedback on that. There was one person that tagged me on Instagram stories saying I was crying throughout this whole thing. So I'm really glad it was great. My my whole purpose for this was that I get people on the podcast who are just like you. They don't work in personal development. They're They're women who have everyday nine to fives and have everyday struggles like all of us do, whether it's upper limit stuff that Rachel was struggling with, the two part that's coming out in July is a woman named Melanie and it's all around money. And then we have another one coming up a little bit after that from a woman named Colleen who was struggling with feeling like shit every time she says no to someone and setting boundaries and just really putting herself first. So these are everyday challenges that we all face. And if you would like to be considered to come on the podcast and be coached by me, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Y-K-A-L and become a patron over there. We will open up applications again in the fall because we had plenty this round. And I love hearing from all of you, love hearing what's going on, and would be happy to coach one of you on the air. That link is in the show notes. You can head on over there to check it out. All right. So wait until you hear Danny J's story. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. This woman's story is about to blow your mind. So for those of you that don't know her, let me tell you a little bit about her. Danny J is an award-winning entrepreneur, keynote speaker, podcast host, and storyteller. As the former founder of The Sweaty Betties, an online fitness community, Danny J discovered the most effective method for capturing attention and increasing revenue. Sharing personal and brand stories. Danny J's work can be heard on her weekly show, the best life podcast and can be followed in real time on all the social media platforms. As a true example of truth is stranger than fiction, she uses her real Jerry Springer life stories to engage with her audience, teach life lessons and inspire others to rewrite their stories. So without further ado, here is Danny J. Danny J. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited we're finally doing this. We're finally getting to have this conversation. You are so my people. So therefore, I know that my audience is absolutely going to love you. And I have followed you on social media and we have a lot of the same friends. And I know I knew I needed to have you on when I started to like, you were kind of like talking about different parts of your life on social media as we do sometimes. And there was one particular story which really stood out for me, and I would love to start there. And so you talk about publicly that you had a teen pregnancy and you gave up a child for adoption, and then you have Mm -hmm. since met this child. So that's really like all I know about it. So can you share with us whatever whatever you feel like is the most helpful for people in just – because I think that we hear about stories like this, like how – how has that shaped your life? And how has that changed yeah. you? So kind of start wherever you want to and and tell us about that. Oh, my gosh.
1: Well, first off, you know, to get to a teen pregnancy, there's obviously some issues going on. Maybe a little. So, yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, um, I was struggling as a teenager. Um, there was a lot of things going on in my household. There was some, I had a, um, a family member that had actually abused me that moved into the house. Um, and he had done it previously, when he moved in, I was freaking out telling my parents, I didn't want him to be there. And long story short, we finally got him out. Nothing happened at that time. Um, But I, I started to just feel that nobody was listening to me. Um, I was accused of making up making it up. And so there was just a lot of that. And then I had also found out around the same time that my dad wasn't my real dad. And so I was just going through all of these identity crisis type things and self-worth and all of that. So in the midst of that, I started cutting and um, starting to drink and just stuff to abuse my body. Mm-hmm. And I was super and I was super suicidal. And ultimately, I was dating this guy. We were pretty new; um, just became sexually active. And I actually told him that I was going to commit suicide. And he was trying to help me out. He's like, "You need to tell your mom and have her take you to this this place." He had gone to this place, um, like a mental health facility. So he was really urging me. And so I finally decided I would. So I told my mom to take me into this place. And she was like, you're not crazy. I'm not taking you there. Finally, I got her too. And they admitted me and I was on this suicide watch.
0: And so when wait you, a minute. you place, had to convince it, yeah. your mom that you needed to go, that you needed that level of help. Yeah. So she, she didn't, what did she think you were just being dramatic or something? No, I think that she probably thought it was being dramatic. And also
1: I think it was embarrassing to her. Okay. Like, I think, you know, looking back, she We grew up in a very strict religion, and I think that she really tried to put on an air of perfection, and that was mm-hmm. also part of the religion, is like, everything's fine. Yeah. And so I think she thought it looked like a bad reflect, like she was a bad mother if I was crazy. And oh she kept gosh. saying, like, you're not crazy. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> so she's like, you're not crazy. And I think that she was trying to protect her image, mm-hmm. which was another thing. Like, I saw, and I just felt like there was a lot of, you know, bullshit and hypocrites hypocritical things going on in that. So yeah, I got there and they they admitted me. And um when you get admitted, they do all these blood tests at first, like to see if you're what kind of drugs you're on and all that stuff. And so the very next day they sat me down in the in my psychiatrist's office and he said, Well, we um got your pregnancy test and I didn't know that you even did a pregnancy test. And it's it's positive. And first thing out of my mouth was, Well, I'm gonna have an abortion. Yeah. And I was just like you know, I'm going to kill myself anyway, who cares? Like this is, I'm going to die. So it doesn't really matter. And so that was that. And I was in there for almost a month and I had planned as soon as I got out to have an abortion and I scheduled it and, and about, uh, it was either the day before or two days before my abortion was scheduled that my parents had, they were talking about sending me away to an eating disorder clinic, um, for a year. And because I had become bulimic and that was another one of the issues, so they had me, they were meeting with this um, doctor and psychiatrist to talk about the options for the eating disorder clinic. And they sent me away to another room with a woman who worked there. And so I was talking to the woman and just got, I didn't know I was there. I had like my defenses up, you know, arms crossed. And she started telling me how she had been raped by uh, her brother and she became anorexic and she can no longer have kids because of what the anorexia did to her body. Mm hmm. And for whatever reason, right in that moment, I just felt like so connected to her and I just blurted out, I want you to have my baby. And I remember like thinking like in the back of my mind going, what the hell are you? I was like, no, 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 no. And she goes, are you serious? I was like, yes, I want you to have my baby. And it was literally like my voice was saying it, but in the back of my head, I was like screaming, like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh my gosh. How old were you at this point? I was 15. Okay. 15. And so ended up, deciding that. And if I was about four months pregnant and she called me, uh, uh, she called me up crying and she said, I can't adopt your baby. And at this point I found out I was having a little girl and you know, obviously it was way too late to have an abortion. And then she said, I can't adopt her, um, because it's a private adoption and it's going to cost $50,000 and we just don't have that money. And so I was going, Oh my God, now what the hell am I supposed to do? I was scared. You know, there was just not a lot of great things going on in my home. And I really felt that I didn't want to bring her, like she didn't choose to be born and she didn't choose to be in this world. And it wasn't fair to bring her into this place where there's just fighting going on and who knows what was happening. And then of course I'm 15. So what am I supposed to do? Right. Like, you know, drop out and go in welfare. So I ended up um, reaching out to this agency and I, I just knew that I couldn't, you know, back in the, back in the old days, I think the adoption was you have a baby. You never see them. You don't know where they go, and it, that's just it. And I'm like, are sealed. And, mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm like, I cannot just have this baby and just have her disappear, and I never know what happens. And that was the way I thought the options were. And I just, I really didn't know. So I reached out, and I found out that adoption had changed a bit. Um, and what they did was called semi-open adoption. I was able to choose her parents. I didn't know their last name or where they lived, but we went. My boyfriend, um, her dad. And I went to just read hundreds and hundreds of profiles until we found, you know, found this family and we got to meet them right after she was born. And then basically the rules were, they would send pictures and letters to the agency for once a month for a year until she was one. And then once a year until she was three and after that, no contact. Mm -hmm. And so it was at least a compromise that I could handle. I was like, I want to be able to see her. And I remember people telling me, whatever you do, like when she's born, don't hold her. Don't, you know, don't touch her because you'll, you'll get attached. And I just like, no, I can't, I I knew I wasn't going to change my mind. Um, I knew that it was, I was doing what I needed to do for her. And so I'm so grateful for the time that I had because we had her, the adoption took a little longer because it was over the weekend. So we had her for about a week Mm. and I was able to spend time with her and, and so that was it. And unfortunately, um, I feel like, you know, I, I've only, I've only recently come to realize that I really never had time to, to grieve okay. because as soon as that was over, it was like, okay, we don't talk about it. She's gone. You can have your life back. Um, go back to school. We pretend this never happened. I went to a different high school. And, um, you know, literally it was probably just a few months ago that I realized that I never really got to grieve that, which was interesting because I took some time to do that. Even though now I have met her, um, I think it was still really important for me to go through that. That process of grieving.
0: songfinch.com slash noise. Don't forget to share your song with us too. songfinch.com slash noise. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use earn for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make earn a part of your financial routine and join earn over 3.5 million customers who say things like, When I think about earn I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind.
1: Um, but ultimately that was the huge turning point like everything in my life changed because I had always thought I was going to die like Mm -hmm. I was going to suicide, or my eating disorder would kill me and after she was born I had this very distinct thought that what if she grows up and finds out her birth mother committed suicide and she thinks it was her fault and that was this moment where I was like shit I can't like I can't kill myself now. And I just had, it was a very simple thought of, I just need to find something to do. Like I didn't have any goals of what I want to be when I grow up Mm -hmm. or anything. So I started just setting these stupid little goals. Like I, I decided I want to see 30 countries by the time I was 30. I did just like, I kind of did some extreme sports and I did like um, skydiving and I became super driven and almost overachieving because I didn't want to be like whatever society thought I was supposed to be like a, a dropout and go on welfare and become a junkie or whatever. So I like slipped into this overachieving. I got, I got straight A's the next year, graduated high school early, got my master's degree and just kind of went like wildly swinging the other way. I think just to like prove to whoever prove to society, yeah. all the people who thought I was, you know, a shitty human. And ultimately I think that served me, but in a lot of ways um, I think sometimes, you know, when we do things for, I don't know, the right, the wrong or right reasons, I guess it can still be positive. So,
0: Yeah, that's kind of how that all went down. How you sort of, (laughs) yeah, came to be the successful woman you are today. Well, What's so interesting to me and what, what I thought of when you came to the end of your story is I'm always telling people you have to find whatever motivates you. And that might look different for every person. And I think that's why self-help can get tricky sometimes because people think, oh, my motivation needs to be this. What this expert is telling me, oh, it needs to be that. What that expert is saying. And you really have to find, because I remember when I, when I was at my lowest of lows, what my motivation was, was that my, because I had been left back to back in relationships um, with both of my partners. My first one was my husband. Second one was a relationship I was in and I was pregnant with my the second guy's baby. They had both left me for other women, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's my yeah. motivation is We're to get my life together. <laughs> yeah, because I had been viewed as the crazy one, and I'm like, y'all, yeah. I am just acting accordingly because of your.
2: Yep. Yep. <laughs> your I will shit. say this
1: is like kind of aside. Anytime a guy says a chick's crazy, I'm like, what did you do? To what did you her do? Crazy? Because there's not. There's not that many crazy women. We have reasons when we go crazy, okay?
0: <laughs> we have reasons. And then when we do, the, the guys are like, see? <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. We just <laughs> You have to find your motivation. And I think that, of course, that can sometimes like you were saying, like swing the other way. And that can be, it can be to a fault, you know, when we gather our worth from our productivity and our achievements and and success and things like that. But I I do, I think that you have to find whatever is your motive. Like if 30 countries before 30, if that motivates you, then hell yes, go do that. That's such an awesome story. Oh my God.
1: Well, you know, what's crazy too is it, it actually hurt me for a little bit a few years ago. So I met my daughter, she was 18. Um, a few months before, no, a month before her 19th birthday. And I remember thinking, I think that what was driving me for so long was I hope one day when I meet her, she'll be proud of me. Like I want to be yeah. successful. I want to be like, so when she meets me, she'll be proud of me. And I was so nervous to meet her kind of, I, and just the opposite too. I'm sure she was nervous to meet me of like, what if she rejects me? Like there's all these fears of what if she doesn't like me or what if she's angry and feels that I threw her away and, And I started researching adoptees, like stories and how they felt and seeing their perspective. And there was a lot of very angry adoptees. And so I was so scared that she didn't realize the reasons I did it and that she was going to hate me for it. Mm -hmm. And we sat down and I remember looking at her and just thinking like in that moment, I realized after I I left, I was like, you know what? I don't care if she's proud of me because I'm proud of me. Yeah. And it was like, I was doing it all for her, but I, I was looking at an 18 year old. I'm like, why am I doing this for the approval of an 18 year old? And it wasn't about her, but the whole, my whole life, honestly, since that point was to like make her proud. And after that, it was a little bit of struggle for motivation a few years ago, but I started to go, shit, what am I doing anything for now? Like, I don't care if she cares. Yeah. So i I needed a new thing. I'm like, I need somebody to piss me off or I need, like, I need,
2: <laughs> I need to turn into a
0: country it. song quick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, and uh, you know what? The irony was that my um, husband left me for someone else. And I gave me that refueled me. So it's like, I don't oh. know, maybe I just, I need negative reinforcement to, to get me to do stuff, but it
2: works for me.
0: <laughs> Sometimes we need the emotional shit kicked out of us to yeah. get our ass in gear. Yeah. <laughs> Not always, but some of us. Well, that actually yeah. brings me to, to one of the questions I wanted to ask you because you encourage people to rewrite their stories. So tell us how someone knows when it's time to do that, when it's time to rewrite their story and what could be like some, some little steps to get there.
1: So, I mean, ultimately I think if you are constantly living in, basically if whatever is showing up in your life, if whatever's manifesting is not what you want, you know, if you're constantly broke or you're constantly having somebody cheat on you and you 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 start to tell yourself these things it's interesting because it's it's not always conscious in fact most of the time it's subconscious you know you're like I always attract men who cheat or I'm always broke we never have money and a lot of these things come from growing up right Mm -hmm. like you know maybe my family we have I had a big money story my dad was a compulsive gambler and so there was never money around and it's just like my parents were always very they're middle class and So we're just not the kind of people who have that, or we're not the kind of people who go on vacation and we don't travel. Like my parents don't travel. And so for me, it was like looking at what do I want, either there's two things I think. It's looking at what do you want? And if it's not if it's not happening, what are you telling yourself about why it's not happening? Yeah. Or what's manifesting and why are you telling yourself that keeps happening, right? So it could be like the cheating over and over that keeps happening. And so why are you telling yourself that keeps happening? So ultimately you need to look at either what you're wanting that's not, or what keeps showing up over and over and over. And why are you telling yourself? Because you have to deal with the belief behind what is coming up for you.
0: Yes. That's why I love positive psychology so much because there's actual like brain science behind this. And Carol Dweck, I think oh. is the one who wrote about, I don't know if she was the first to write about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And that's what you're pointing yeah. to. Yeah. And also I love what you were saying around, just your family of origin and paying attention to what was modeled for you. And it's not to blame and shame your parents. It's so that you can rewrite your story. Because another thing about brain science is that our, our brains automatically look for evidence yes. of our core beliefs. And a lot of our core beliefs are shitty. So-
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I'm great to, to your point and like to give some takeaways is I tell people to maybe look for evidence that, that story isn't true. So, you know, it's, you know, there's people who are like, well, I, you know, I didn't have a college degree, so I can't make money. Well, can you find one person in your life or even maybe on TV who didn't have a college degree and they were still successful? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have, you have to like debunk and actually ask, is this true? And one of my favorite, well, there's two really, um, Byron Katie does a lot of this work. And also I first really heard it from Dr. Wayne Dyer he had a program called excuses be gone and this changed my life um there was a 6 cd set and i there's a book but i don't know the cd's really did it for me because he was in a live audience and he went through just different people's beliefs and first just asking yourself is this thought true and can you be 100% sure that it is true yeah if you're choosing a thought and one of those thoughts is not getting you to where you want to be, then you can switch that. If it's kind of like if you're going to choose a lie to believe, you might as well choose the lie that's going to get you to where you want to go instead of the lie that's keeping you stuck in the same circle. So yes. So it's a really fascinating way to just kind of flip a switch, but you really have to dig down and go, what are these actual thoughts and are they even true?
0: Are they true? And I, I love the variation because sometimes that can get tricky. I work with a lot of people who are just – Adamant, you know, like they're married yeah. to their core beliefs, and yep. so a variation of that question is, is the only like for the sake of total transparency, I worry about Byron Katie's work sometimes because the at towards the end of that work, it, she has you look at your part in it, and which I love, you know, I'm a big fan of the 12 steps, and I know that yeah. it, that can be hugely helpful to look at your part, but sometimes it turns it around and places blame on people where it's unnecessary. Sure. So I like sure. the variation of is this helpful. Because sometimes, yeah. sometimes things can be true or there's a possibility that it can be true, but is that actually helpful? Like, is that, sure. that obsessive thought? Because let's be honest, a lot of times they're obsessive thoughts. They're just not yep. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. It's Where, uh, <laughs> well,
1: I like that. Is it helpful too? And you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I never, I didn't study Byron Katie a lot. I know Jill, my podcast partner is really a big fan of her work. When she kind of told me about it, it just reminded me of Wayne Dyer stuff, which I think he got it he is from. He's the godfather America. of
0: self-help. Are you
1: kidding? Yeah. <laughs> and I think he kind of um made it his a little in the way that he did it. But ultimately, it is just like, what do you want? And mm-hmm. if it's hurting you, why are you continuing to do it. And it's, this isn't to say it's easy. It's hard to just flip a switch and go, I'm not going to think that anymore. And for me, what, ha- what really did help um, when I was younger was doing affirmations. And I know affirmations get a bad rap and people are like, you can't just think an opposite thought. And Okay. But and this is going to be it. interesting because I'm,
0: I'm on that team yeah. or I'm like not a fan. My audience knows. So please okay, perfect. give me your case. Yeah, so, <laughs> here's
1: what I will tell you, and this is where I think maybe it's that I do it different is you have to do so many repetitions, so many repetitions, so, the example I think that makes the most sense to me and how I noticed this switch was I took seven years of French. Yeah. And when you're first learning a language, you're constantly concentrating of like, okay, what do they say? You're translating in your mind. Then you think about what you're saying and then you have to translate it back and then speak it. So it's, it's so painful to try to speak a new language, uh-huh. right? Like you're practicing and saying, my name is, and you're in your head, you're like, my name is, blah, 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 right? But I went to France. Um, in my 20s. And I was doing that. It was really slow. I'd have to have people talk really slow to me. And after about four days, I was just so immersed in the language. I remember ordering some food and one of the waiters said something back to me and it was like, I understood it. I didn't translate it first. It was like, suddenly I was thinking in French and I was like, wow, that was really freaking uh-huh. weird. And with affirmations. So I was doing this a lot going through my Late teens, and then also I became paralyzed in my when I turned when I was twenty two, and so I was doing a lot of affirmations around that, and a lot of them are they felt like bullshit, right? So some of the things I was saying was I walk easily and effortlessly, and I was sitting on a bike pushing my legs around because they didn't work, right? Like I obviously didn't walk at all, Mm -hmm. but what I would do was I would go to the gym and I would I would have my affirmations written down, and I would let's say sit on the bike for an hour. And I would read each one 10 times and I did this every single day. Like it was so much repetition. It was reading 10 times every single affirmation over an hour, like repetition, 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 so much freaking repetition, but also things like I'm trying to think. I had my, I actually had my affirmations. I found them the other day. They were things about like, I will feel my pain when it is present. I will not anticipate it. And so it became just like the French thing where. Suddenly, I would get—I would be getting anxious, like, "Oh my god, this is going to hurt!" And then, like, my thought would pop up: the affirmation, "I'm going to feel my pain when it's present. I'm not going to anticipate it." I'm like, "Oh yeah, I can stop." Like, it was a pattern interrupt, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I think the problem with affirmations a lot of times is people are just like, "I'm going to say it one time in the mirror or like once a day." Well, I was doing massive repetition, almost like an English or like a language immersion, where you go to another country and you are just listening to this language until it clicks. I was doing so much affirmation work like it was constant repetition like hundreds of times of the same thing to where my old thought would pop up or and I would cut myself off and go wait a second mm-hmm. or I knew my automatic new thought was the affirmation Got it. and I I think that yeah some of it's bullshit like you can't affirm your way out of a lot of things but you can change a lot of thought patterns and I do think what the affirmation is also matters mm-hmm. you know like I guess you can tell yourself a lie. You know, I was saying this and walk when I couldn't, but um, I think there are certain things that you can change core beliefs around, but it takes a lot of
2: repetition. Yes. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back. With a whole new podcast
0: about Unsticking It, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity
2: instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm.
0: So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for unsticking it with Blair and Molly wherever you listen to podcasts. Starting in January, unsticking it with Blair and Molly because sometimes life sucks. Yes, to all that. Because here is my argument is always. Affirmations don't work all by themselves. And what you just explained is not that. I think one of the key takeaways that I want to underscore for people is when you said you were noticing the negative thoughts and creating a pattern interrupter, which is what I talk about all the time. You can't just not pay attention to your thoughts and then every morning wake up in the mirror and tell yourself these 10 affirmations and then go about the rest of your day and not pay attention to any of your other thoughts or core beliefs that you have. Not pay attention to the behaviors and the choices that you're making based on that negative self-talk and expect the positive affirmations that you said at seven 30 that morning to like change your life. It's not how it works.
1: percent, oh, And that's it too. Like, I don't believe in just saying it one time. I mean, like this wasn't a very intentional, almost like physical therapy. Like this was an hour every single day. Also, I was physically moving and I think that helps a lot. I think there's a lot. You to, too. There's something to be say with motion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, Erin Sutherland.
0: Yes. Yes. She's coming yeah, on the podcast. But- Oh, awesome. She's been on before, I think. Erin's work,
1: she does uh, shrink sessions. So basically, it's like dance and affirmations. And I remember
0: I had her, I had
1: an event in 2013, and she taught this. And we do these affirmations while basically dancing, exercising, and it gets into your body. Like, Mm -hmm. I really believe that there's something about the muscle memory creating new connections in your brain. It really is about rewiring because your thoughts, like you said earlier, the repetitive and obsessive thoughts, you actually habits and beliefs are created through a thought and beliefs are created through like rep- repetition of thoughts, right? Like yeah. something becomes subconscious when you repeat it. So when you first learn to drive, you are really conscious about hands on the wheel and you're looking in the mirrors. but now you could drive, you know, 300 miles and forget how you started. You don't yeah. remember any of it because it's, you've done it so many times it's become subconscious. And that's what happens with our thoughts and our beliefs. They we've done it so many times they become subconscious because our brains are efficient. They just want to create the shortest mm-hmm. distance, burn the least amount of
0: calories. Yeah.
1: Yep. So using like using motion, I think you're kind of I don't know jarring that up. I don't know the science behind the motion, but I really believe it works. But there, you have to you have to do repetition way, 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 way more with affirmations than anybody thinks because you've been doing it so long with the old beliefs, you can't just do ten times in the morning and be done. Like you're going to have to do this like hundreds. A mm-hmm. value of prime.
0: Yeah. I use the foreign language example too. And I always say, I took, I took at least seven years of Spanish between high Uh school and college and I never practiced it. I never went to any Spanish speaking countries or places and, and PS, like my mom, that's her first language and they spoke it around us, but I never, I never immersed myself in it. And so now all I can say is me gusta los toca discos, which is like, I like record players, which isn't helpful to anyone. (laughs) And I say that because like, it's the same with changing your beliefs and your negative self Talk yes. and just like that yep. feeling of feeling like shit. It, you yep. have to practice it. Here is what I hear. Have you ever heard this? Was people are like, I'll teach a few tools, and they'll come to me like a day later, and they're like, I practiced those tools, and then I had I had more negative self talk today, and I'm like, Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It doesn't
2: end.
0: It doesn't end. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> like, You've right. created the you neural like- pathways.
1: Yeah, and life has a way of handing you like I don't want to say test because I but in a way it's like it's testing. Like let's see if you can let's see if you can keep doing it. I mean, I would say it's so funny. Um I was working on a keynote talk and basically the message was you can't control what happens to you. You can only control how you react. Yeah. And I've been working on this for five months. I was in this mastermind going five days a month to Philadelphia to work with a coach. And at the end of this mastermind, I found out my husband had an affair. Mm. And I remember wanting to light his shit on fire, like take a back to the car. Yeah. You know, like that seems act reasonable. like a lunatic. <laughs> and I remember just going, like, all of a sudden the freaking talk showed up in my head. And I was like, oh shit. Like, I can't control what happens. I can only control how I react. And I remember being so angry. I'm like, fuck that. I don't care. But I was like, Oh my God, I have to like, this is a test to see if I can practice what I preach. Do I really believe this? If I'm going out to teach the world, something along the lines of this, can I practice what I preach? And I hated it so much. I hated it so much, but it really got me through. And kind of to your point earlier, I was like, I am not going to give them the benefit of them seeing me crazy. Like I want to be crazy, but I'm not going to let them have the satisfaction of being crazy. So it's really, it's, not as easy in practice, right? It's easy to say, it's easy to until like something happens that you're not expecting. And then you're like, Oh shit. But you have to practice it in different scenarios. So of course you're still going to have negative thoughts. Of course, yeah. things are still going to, these it's tools habits. are just tools there to help you, but doesn't mean it's going to mitigate anything that comes up, right? It can't stop
0: life from happening. Mm-hmm. For sure. Can I tell a quick story about how I pulled a little bit of a, of a lunatic, Oh my God. Yeah. When my husband, when I found out my husband had cheated on me, because it was the same with me, you know, he was telling everybody that I was a nutcase, And by the way, he'd been cheating yep. on me for seven months. And I was suspicious that whole time to which he would never right. admit. And so of course right. I was being like, not very you know, even kilter. <laughs> it was not, it's sure. sure. not sure. being nice. So when it finally all came out, yeah. I, you know, and we all love that movie waiting to exhale when Angela Bassett's character like that scene, like it just is my everything where she's going through his closet and she's just going, she is in a state. She gets all of yeah. his shit. Cause he'd been cheating on her and she puts it in his car. Do you remember that scene? You ever seen the movie? I just, the movie. No. Lights the motherfucker on fire. There's a clip of it on YouTube. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for everybody. If you haven't seen it, it's only like a minute (laughs) long, just this scene. And she throws her cigarette and it's like the whole, his, I think it's like a Mercedes and all of his shit. And she's, and you're just like, yes. So of course I wanted to have one of those moments. But at the same time, I was like, I don't want to give him and everybody proof that I'm crazy. And so I worked with this woman and she was like, you know what you should do? She's like, you should go and cut a hole in like his favorite pants with scissors in the crotch and leave him a note and something about like, you know, since he couldn't keep it in his pants. So I took it a step further. I took every pair of underwear that he owned and every pair of shorts, every pair of pants. And I got out the scissors and I laughed and I laughed while I did it like crazy town laughter. And then put everything back. I like, put oh everything back in the drawers. And then I left oh, a note and I was like, since you couldn't keep it in your pants the whole time we were married, I thought I would just help you out. And <laughs> it was the most fun ever. And then his girlfriend <laughs> like wrote a mass email to everybody and said, she was weird. She was like, everybody better keep your underwear in your drawers or something. Cause Andrea's out with scissors. And I was like, Oh, oh Jesus. God. So anyway, it was, <laughs> it it's was so, so much good, drama. But I don't regret it's, that at all.
2: You know, like,
1: I, I didn't see that scene, but I had the thought to light all this stuff on fire. And I actually did. I mean, I, I won't say I didn't do anything crazy. I packed all this shit, put it in garbage bags. I met him. I, what I wanted to do was just throw it out in the yard. And yeah, like a it movie. Go off, <laughs> But I did meet him in a parking lot and give it to him, but all in trash bags, right? So, yeah. of course, I had to get my little thing, but
0: yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's, it's true. It it, you know, I just think that everybody kind of deserves a little bit of a knife. Oh my God. But of course, like (laughs) it's hard. I mean, even, I think even the best self-help people have their moments where they're not their best self, but I don't regret that at all. I don't regret that at all. (laughs) Hell no. I wouldn't either. And, you know, I think this is something to say too. actually such a good
1: point of like the best, the best self-help people is sometimes, you know, we look up, to these gurus and think that they're perfect and think they have it all together. And I think more than anything, and hopefully what people get from me and not saying that I'm like a guru by any means, but I have a lot of shit that I've gone through and I've found ways to deal with it. And I try to share those ways. It doesn't mean it was always perfect. In fact, most of the time it was really messy. And these are the ways that I found tools to work for me because it was messy and because it's kind of like in spite of those things you still find ways to get through it. And it doesn't mean it didn't look like a complete disaster at the time. It doesn't mean like while I was doing these affirmations, I wasn't crying and be like, this is bullshit. And I mean, there's so many things that um, that I teach that maybe people think, oh, it's so easy for her. But it's not. It came out of pure pain and also maybe yeah. just necessity because I didn't know how to handle my emotions. So I had to find things that, that helped. But it doesn't mean it didn't look like a complete disaster. And it didn't mean that it didn't take freaking years. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't just learn these things overnight. This, the affirmations were years of things. And, and also at the same time, going to counseling and also trying hypnotherapy and also trying all kinds of modalities at once. Yes. So I think ultimately tools are just one, like you have to see what works for you. If, if it doesn't work for you, if a fast formation sounds like bullshit, well, fine. I'm not saying that's the thing that works for everyone, but mm-hmm. it's a thing that can work if you do it in a way too, make it work, right? For sure.
0: And I, and I, I think that's one of the reasons that I resonate with you so much is because you talk so openly about your story of, of pain and heartbreak. And you talk about it publicly, not just for like voyeurism, but just so people can know like, Hey, life is really messy and complicated. Sometimes it was hard for me. And here's what I have learned to get through it, which I would actually love to talk about. So you mentioned earlier on that you found out that you're who you thought was your dad was not your biological father. And then you found yeah. out that it wasn't this recent that you actually found yeah. your biological father and you hadn't known who uh-huh. he was.
1: Yeah. Um, this was a really crazy kind of something that got pushed under the rug and that I hadn't talked about for 23 years. And oh, so you it's knew all that all time. I, it's yeah. I found out when I was 13, um, my dad was taking me to gymnastics and just in the car, he goes, you know I'm not your real dad, right? And like, what?
2: Just casually? <laughs> just
1: casual, casual passing. Um, you know I'm not your real dad, right? And I'm like, wait, and I just remember in that moment getting so hot and like my face turning red, and I was just in my head going, I don't get it. Because I was thinking, like, we had this picture album and I'd always look at me as a baby and my I was like bloody, and there were pictures of me basically coming out of my mom and she was pregnant. So I'm like, I don't understand. I know I'm not adopted. Mm-hmm. And then he said, Well, your mom and I struggled to have children and we used artificial insemination. And so we had an anonymous donor and I'm like, at 13 years old, obviously I don't even know what that is. Okay. That so was like, my next question. Just, Did you understand he,
0: what that meant? Well, like, he, he
1: explained it and I was like, so confused because you know, I didn't hear about that before. I only knew about adoption. And then I'll, I'll, even affairs didn't occur to me because we were, you know, we were in this church and I just thought you only have sex when you're married. So I didn't, I didn't even like no other scenario, no scenario occurred to me that it would make sense. I just, it didn't make sense to me. So then you dropped me off at gymnastics and I was like, okay. And I remember going through practice, just like shaken. And he picked me up. We didn't talk about it the whole way home. And I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. And so finally I just middle of the night ran to my mom and dad's room and I started shaking my mom. And I was like, mom, is that my real dad? And like woke her up out of sleep. She's like, what? And said, he told me in the car, he said you guys use artificial insemination and she just goes go to your room. And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm in trouble." Oh no, that's what and I And she <laughs> she ends up like he didn't in, like, tell her postage. ahead of
0: time like heads up you I'm going to oh tell Danny that.
1: Oh my gosh. So she comes in about 20 minutes later and she was like, "I can't. I'm so mad at your father. He wasn't supposed to tell you we were never going to." And then she was kind of like, "Well, you might be like we weren't using protection but we did try this and I'm like well what about Brent my brother and they go well yeah he's same thing like we use the donor for him so I'm like he's not he's maybe not my real brother he's like a husband. and they're like I don't know and they just they didn't give me an answer so I go well what, who's the go- who's the donor and they go we don't know it was anonymous I'm like do you have any papers no and so they said they weren't going to tell my brother and that was it and we just never talked about it again and it was like in the back of my mind and this was also like I think part of the first onset of my depression i remember before i just cried and i looked in the mirror and i was like who do i look like and who am i and the stories going back in my mind i remember just comments you know that my dad would say he's like oh you have the levitt thighs and you know oh you look like your cousin and then i was going i don't have the levitt thighs i don't have any of that and things started to click i'm like i never thought i looked like my mom and dad like i never looked like either one of them really and so it was just this big huge identity crisis and with no answers right there wasn't like I was like, "Great! I will never know for the rest of my life." And so I, I kind of accepted that reality, pushed it out of my mind, like it never happened. Two years ago, uh, I had taken a DNA test because I found out when I was twenty six I had a blood disorder that's genetic.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And so I had taken Twenty Three and Me because back then, uh, the this is happening.
0: I'm going to stop you for a second. This is happening. All over. Like the people... Yeah. Okay, because yeah. oh, just quick side note, my 11-year-old son, his biological father was the guy that I had that relationship with that fell apart. And so yeah. my husband met, we met way, 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 way early on. So my son would have never known if we wouldn't have told him, but I knew even this was before like all the 23 and me. So my son was four and I made him a book and I told him like, you have a biological father and he couldn't be with us because he was sick, blah, blah, blah. So he, and as he gets older, I've told him more like when he asks me like what the story was and I'm so glad we did y'all. And it's such a personal choice for people to do that. Like I'm not judging anyone who decides to, to not tell their child, but because of the this, this, this thing with DNA testing, I'm just saying, I'm glad we told him. <laughs> Dude, I, I think at this
1: point now you have to, because there's no way around it. DNA tests are going to out everyone. There yeah. are so many secrets coming to light now. It's crazy. So yeah, I took this test in 2013 and back then it was just for health history. There wasn't, there wasn't connections, but around 2017, 23, me started doing this thing called DNA relatives, and oh my God. <laughs> I logged in. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm, that wasn't there before. And I clicked on it. And then there was this like warning. It said like, basically said something along the lines of be careful. There might be inform- sensitive information that you might find. And I was like, oh, whatever. Was it's your a- heart
0: just racing? Holy I'm sweating Jesus. for you. <laughs> I didn't
1: think anything of it. I was just like, okay, quick. And the first thing I see there, it just says anonymous half sister. And then it says Aubrey something half sister. And I was like, like my heart stopped and I held my breath and I just felt my face get so red. I'm like, Oh my God, it never occurred to me that there was others. I guess in my 13 year old brain, I was the only person yeah. in the whole world. You know that. And I was like, Oh my God. So my instant thought was, this must be the guy's daughter. Okay. Like, shoot. Like he has these girls and I'm like, do they know that I exist? And well, so you, so you assumed like, like
0: that, that he had a family and that. Yeah. I okay. It seems
1: like, like he just donated once I was born <sighs> and then he went off. Right, that was my assumption. Well, my whole world like exploded because I messaged the girls and I tried to keep it discreet. I was like, "Hey, you know, I came from a donor, and I don't like just what, like just a quick sentence. Like, I don't know if you know about this, but here I am." And they both wrote back, and they're like, "We came from donors too." So I was like, "What?" I'm like, "Shit!" Oh my God, these are half siblings. Like, okay. Oh, oh yeah. So I'm like, "Oh my God!" They also came from a donor. So this is weird. We still don't know who the guy is. And there was a cousin connected through that DNA who was related to the two sisters. So I'm like, she has to be like the connection piece, right? She's, she knows who the, do- it's gotta be her uncle, right? Mm-hmm. She's a cousin and we're related as sisters. This has to be this girl's uncle. So I met a I message gar- girl and she ended up reaching back out to me on Facebook on my birthday, uh, my 30, my 36th birthday. And she was like, Hey, Danny, happy birthday. I got your message on 23 Me. I think I know who you're looking for.
0: And I was like, Oh my God. And it was her real life um, uncle, like not. So like yeah. she knew him.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she said, yep. It's, um, it was actually her mom's uncle, which was weird that it showed her as her first cousin. So okay. she goes, it's my, my mom's uncle. And he, like the family knows that he was donating. She goes, would you like to talk to him? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, what would I say? And it was just all of these things coming in my mind going, I never expected this to happen. I thought the rest of my life, this would never exist. So then I'm going, do I even want to know? Maybe the story that I created about him is better than what he
2: actually is.
0: Like, what if he's a person and I don't want to know? Or what if Oh
2: my gosh.
0: And then you don't know how old he was. What if he's like 85 and you don't have that much time left to decide? (laughs) You know, I didn't think about
1: that. I assumed he was younger because um, I had heard about like, don't a lot of donors were like in college and okay. doing like that. So I thought he was younger, which the irony was is that he, he is actually way older than my parents. And so he's 70, he's 77 now. He was 75 when I found out, but I ended up like bawling for about an hour. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to. And so she was trying to get a hold of him and I ended up talking to him that night for about an hour. And I was like, I don't know what to say. So I called, I was just like, hi. And he's like, he goes, you know. Devin said you're going to call, and he was so great. I mean, he—I pulled out my notes on my computer, and I kept him there because I was like, I need to take notes on this conversation because it's so emotional. I'm probably going to forget everything, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad that I did. He—he he told me what year he was born, how old his, you know, parents were when they died, how old his aunts and uncles were when they died, any health stuff. He was like, no, everybody's really, you know, they've lived a long time. And I was like, so what were you, you know? Why did you do it? And he said that he. Just had heard about it and he was a single father raising two boys and it was a way to supplement his income. And then he wanted to help families and he donated for 15 years. Oh my God. He said at some times he was donating up to three times a day. And he had started to make a relationship with, I know, make a relationship with some of the nurses. And he told me that he would, he'd say, Hey, did we get one? Meaning, like, did we get one pregnant? And he told me that he stopped counting after 80. Shut
0: and the front door. That <laughs> and
2: was that he like now, a model or something?
0: <laughs> dude,
1: no. And so back then they really didn't have a lot of regulations. Like honestly, today okay. there was no way in hell he would. He's too short. Teeth are too messed up. Like it's so funny that like in today's standards for donating, there's no way he'd even be able to. But he and also age. He was 35 when he started. He was 50 when he stopped. So amazing that I'm even here, honestly, because all of the scenarios, like just don't light up in today's world. It's never would have happened, but over the last two years. So that was 2017. Now we're up to 20 half siblings. Like they keep showing up on 23andMe Mm -hmm. and to your point about the last 10 siblings didn't know until they logged in and their parents never told them. (sighs) So they had the shock of their lives. Like, holy crap couple of them were freaking out because they thought their mom had an affair and it was a secret. Yeah. I was like, no, don't worry. Like, she didn't have an affair. It's just Bruce. Like, you know, we know. <laughs> um, but it's blowing people's minds. And I'm in a group now um, called We Are Donor Conceived. And when I joined the group, there was about 250 people. And now there's like 1,200. I mean, it is coming in exponentially because there's so much advertising for these DNA tests. That people are taking them so often, and it's—I mean—it's taking se- like it's blowing secrets out, like people that were born out of wedlock and given away, yeah. and like it's secret. And
2: so, wait a minute—the Facebook
1: name.
0: group is for people who what?
1: Who were conceived through artificial insemination? Or, okay, I uh, thought
0: you meant just from him. From that? No, no, no. no okay, no. no. Uh, it's called
1: We Are Donor Conceived, and it's through people who are uh, egg donor or sperm donor conceived.
0: And so, it's both people that knew their whole lives and and only found out through DNA testing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, Can we post a link sure. to that in the show notes? Cause there might be people listening who are interested sure. in the support group yeah. in that situation. Yeah. So yep, okay, I have just... so many questions, but we have so little time. And I, I think, I think <laughs> what I want to know is how has that, what's been your key takeaway? Like as far as you personally, just as Danny,
1: you know, it's really interesting. Um, the identity piece, it, everything kind of happened around the same time I met my daughter and then I met my donor. So it was like, I got both sides of the spectrum. When I met my daughter, she, she doesn't look like me. I think she looks a lot like my mom and her dad. And so I, when I saw pictures of her, I just expected her to have their personality traits, but she is so like, we're so much alike and we were never, I didn't raise her. Right. We weren't around each other. And when I met my donor, (laughs) I called sperm dad. Um, I was like, my personality is so, I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. And there was just this piece that I just felt like I finally understood myself, but I I never felt like anything was missing in my life. I didn't feel like anything was missing, but I felt more whole. It's like my world kind of made a little bit more sense when I know where I came from. And I really think it just came down to that. Like my key takeaway was like, there's, you know, there's nature versus nurture. There's a lot of different aspects in mm-hmm. there, but it was like knowing them helped me know myself better. And it helped me appreciate myself because I think there's times where, like we just don't, I don't know, I'm going to speak for myself. Like I hated myself. I hated myself for so many things. And when I could see the aspects of myself and someone else that I loved, I was like, well, I love like my daughter. Like she's so precious to me and she's so adorable. And there's so many things that are personality that I love. And I'm like, wait, but that's my personality. And it made me have more compassion and love for myself when I saw it in somebody else. And I think that was really the biggest, uh, the biggest thing for me.
0: Wow. That is so much to contend with. I did it like I just knew bits and pieces of it. And I'm, thank you for telling that story. And I I think that it can be so helpful. I know a lot on this podcast, we're talking about tools and tips to live your best life, but I, I, it's so refreshing to hear a story, just a real life story about what happened and how you, how you processed it and maneuvered through it. Cause I'm, I'm guessing that there were times where it was like, you were feeling like it was the depths of despair and just like, what the fuck, how did I get here? Oh my God. Yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> there's been so many dark times in my life. And you know, even recently to two years ago, when I found out I was a mess, like to even talk about this today, it's crazy because when I first found out about my sperm dad, I, I was just i was in hysterics i didn't know what to think and like then after i hung up with him finding out that there could be 80 100 of us like that to wrap my mind around all this stuff it was like cognitive dissonance times a thousand right like i my reality changed so much and it took some time to like reconfigure what my reality was it's like share with people they're there are periods where you almost have to, it's like a healing bone, you know, like you have to set the bone and then you have to wait. And there's a, a time where it's not strong yet. And you can't, you just have to kind of go through that like waiting period mm-hmm. or healing period. And so there's, there was some craziness. There's yeah. some craziness going on in my mind that it was just, you can't wrap your mind around some things when things happen like that. And even just like a, a death, right. I was just talking to a friend last night, his brother died when he was 25, just had a heart attack. And it's like there's certain things in life that you're like, it doesn't make sense. A twenty five year old doesn't just die. No. And you're you're just like stuck with this grief and you have no answers. And there's so many times in life we have that. You have to just be gentle with yourself and just realize like things take time and sometimes we don't have answers and you you're grasping. And so there's definitely moments that I've had of that that I still do and that I've just been able to I know I've I've used humor a lot and you know, I just got to the point with this story. I'm like, you know, I've cried enough over the years of it. So now I just laugh like, okay, well, my dad was jerking off for money and like, here I am. And <laughs> this is where we are. Like, what, what else are you supposed to do? Um, my best friend, Jill, we just had this, basically our mantra was like, what else are you supposed to do? What yeah. else are you supposed to do? Like you either are in despair about it or you like make light of it. And I just decided like, I'm just going to have, I got to have fun with this now. Like what else are you supposed to do?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with you. And and I'm going to have to have you on a gun cuz I had so many other questions for you that we didn't get to. Do. And I, I read your bio in the beginning so people yeah. know people know what you're about. So where do you want to send people? How can they how can they get more of Danny J? Oh my
1: God. Well, Instagram I think is the best these days or the yeah. podcast. So I'm at dannyj.com. It's D A N N Y like a boy and then spell out .com. D O T C O M. I'm I do so many stories. I have a lot of fun with that. Um I answer my DMs and, um, you know, I, I launch programs during the year. So I always have some cool stuff. Uh, find the money project is like rewriting your money story. Um, mm-hmm. there's a new program we have coming up for the podcast called the happiness diet that I'm really excited about. And it's really like a mindset course. Um, and you have a podcast yeah. called the best life podcast with Jill. Yeah the, best life, yeah, the best life podcast. Um, there's an Instagram for it
0: and then yeah, just subscribe we talk all about over
1: all the stuff, internet. Lots of mindset stuff over
0: there. Yes. Lots of mindset. over. You will not be sorry if you follow Danny J on Instagram and her podcast that she does with Jill. Thank you so much for being here. And all of you listeners, as you know, your time is so valuable and I always appreciate and I'm grateful for you, to you for spending it with me and my guests this week. So until next time, everyone, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.